How's it going, guys? And welcome back to She Talk Sports. My name is Emma, and I'm your host. And today's episode, I'm very, very excited for. You know, broke out my uh, my Bruin shirt because today we are talking about my home city, the city of champions, Boston. And this episode has been one that. A lot of people have actually requested ever since I started the podcast, you know, um, people from Boston and non-Boston alike. So uh, I've definitely been pretty spoiled <laughs> growing up outside of Boston. And it's definitely really shaped, you know, my my love and passion for sports. And it's it's definitely helped being surrounded by a lot of really great teams. So uh, today we're going to be breaking down um, particularly the Patriots, the Red Sox, the Bruins and the Celtics. You know, obviously, New England has added the revolution, our MLS soccer team. Um, recently, and uh, they are the newest franchise for the team, but because they're only about 25 years old, there's not a lot of history, um, plus the team's also not that great, so uh, I chose to to not talk about that one today, but obviously the city itself is really old, and it's really historic, and obviously known for its sports. You know, the Red Sox were founded back in 1901, uh, making them one of the eight charter members of the American League, so definitely dating back pretty far and the Bruins were founded thereafter in uh, 1924 making them the first American team to to join the NHL and uh, the Celtics were founded in 46 by Walter Brown and followed by the Patriots in 1960 so and then of course the revolution I think it was 94 so like I said about 25 to 25 years old which is not too much older than I am so but yeah I wanted to break these down in different sections so I wanted to go team by team so we are going to start with the Patriots dynasty. And when I started doing um, research about how I wanted to put this together, it kind of came out to the four points that I think make the Patriots so, so lethal. And I went with four Ds. So we want defense, discipline, the draft, obviously, and duo. So those are the four Ds that we're going to break down today. And we're going to start with defense. So um, this season, the the Pats were first in AFC East with a 12 and four record, and obviously we're not going to be making back to back Super Bowl appearances, which is pretty disappointing. But you know this team was was so dangerous because of their defense, and um, I think between September and October they went eight and zero, and they held the Dolphins and Jets scoreless with a 43 and a 33 to zero win, and um, they also tied the the record with the 1970 Detroit Lions, 76 Houston Oilers, and the 81 Buffalo Bills by only allowing three points in the in the first two games. So it's the fewest ever in a Super Bowl era. So it's definitely a cool record to have to now be a part of. And um, throughout those first eight games between September and October, you know, they only gave up 61 points while scoring 250. So, you know, obviously that ratio is incredibly high and much higher than average. And um, that was just in a two month period. So it was, it was an incredible start to the season for the Patriots. Um, and uh, in terms of the overall season, which unfortunately ended a little bit short for the team, but they scored 420, the magic number, um, scored 420 points and only gave up 225. So like I said, it's it's a better ratio than most teams. And it was kind of crazy um, seeing those first few games and we're making teams scoreless. So, you know, it was arguable that the Patriots had a pretty easy uh, schedule in the fall to start the season. But still, even if if this, if it was a little bit different, you know, they still would have been blowing these teams out. The defense was so strong. So um, obviously that was a big factor in the success and the, especially the start of the season. Um, and in seasons past, it's been it's been a strong point as well. So that was the first D. So the first D was defense. The second one is discipline. So Coach Belichick 
he runs his locker room in a very specific way, and uh, the same way he's he's done it for years. It's basically a, a no nonsense and no diva policy. So you know his players have to be 100% focused all the time, and if they aren't, you know they're going to get dropped. And he truly has no mercy when it comes to these rules. And I think it was Randy Moss that was late to a meeting, and um, it was like a snowstorm or something, and um, he he did not allow that to slide. So um, he also, I think likes to be in control of, of media exposure, not only for himself, but for his players as well. He likes to be in control of that. And, um, I think that, you know, he, he's never really too flashy of a guy to begin with. I mean, the guy wears like the same gray sweatshirt every single game, but in terms of media, he, he likes to have a very minimal and cut to the chase kind of relationship with the media. And I think he likes his players to kind of have that same relationship as well. I think it just makes things a bit easier so they can just focus about football and not some of these things that are going on off the field. So I think this overall control is kind of what makes the team um, as strong as they are. And uh, you either get with the system or you don't. It's pretty easy. You either follow the rules or you don't. And I think that mentality reminds me a lot of, of Jurgen Klopp's Liverpool. Of course, I had to bring that up. But um, I think it's it's very it's pretty easy thing to follow. You either get with the system or you don't. And it's it's pretty obvious right away if you're if you're not a part of it. And um, I think that that's just that no nonsense rule makes these players just much more focused than others because they don't really have to think about other things going on um, off the field. So. I think that that really sets them apart from other competitors. So discipline was is the second D. The third one is the draft. So obviously it's, it's really easy to build players off of getting a really good first round pick, but um, particularly in the past, the Patriots haven't had too many, too many great picks, but they've turned out to be amazing picks. You know, most notably Tom Brady, he was six round 199 and, um, it, we, everyone talks about it all the time that now he's the greatest player of all time. And you see that photo of him from the draft and it's just like, no way would this guy be as good, as good as he is. So he was sixth round. Gronk was seventh. Edelman was also seventh. Matt Light was uh, second round and um, Samuel was fourth. So a lot of it came down to developing those players and um, they definitely weren't prospects that people would expect to be great. And they they just developed into amazing players, and a lot of that comes down to the coaching staff and um, really working hard, and obviously some of that's going to come down to the athlete, but obviously it's, it's like I said, it's so easy to go with one of these first-round picks and they'll just flop, but I think that these Patriots players just really developed into to some of the best players, and a lot of that credit goes to, towards the management and even just coaching staff and, and people just selecting them and really just having this belief and this confidence in them. And um, I think that that's been really important for, for the dynasty over the year. Obviously, Brady, Gronk, Edelman have been crucial for these these past few seasons. So um, definitely the draft is really important, which brings us to our final one. The final D I want to talk about is the duo. This duo over two decades, everyone knows it, the Brady-Belichick duo. Tom Brady has incredible amount of records, and I don't know if I even have all of them, but I wrote a bunch of these down, so we're just going to rattle through the records he has right now. Most regular season wins by, Q, by a starting QB is at 219. Most passing yards, regular season, and playoffs is 85,000. 959 most passing touchdowns postseason included at 614 most touchdowns thrown to different receivers is at 77 game-winning drives including postseason at 58 he also holds a bunch of playoff records including games started which is 41 uh, playoff wins which is 30 
touchdown passes, which is at 73, and playoff passing yards, which is at 11,388. He also has 17 division titles, which is more than any other QB in history. And then he also holds a bunch of Super Bowl records. Um, he has nine Super Bowl appearances and six Super Bowl champions championships, which is more than any other QB and, frankly, more than most teams in history. So um, he also has four Super Bowl MVPs, three league MVPs, and he's actually the oldest player to have won either, which is kind of cool, so good for him. Uh, he also has 18 Super Bowl touchdown passes, which is the most, and he holds the record for the most Super Bowl passing yards at 2,838. He's also played for the Lamar Hunt Trophy 13 times, won it nine of those 13 times. He's had 14 Pro Bowl selections, which ties the NFL record for the most selections. Um, and it's I, I think that's all of them. I'm not entirely sure, but as you can tell, the man has had a very, very long career, has knocked out a ton of records, and it's really impressive. You know, obviously he's getting old right now, but you know, at the end of the day, he's he's earned plenty of these records. Um you know, deservingly so, and he's been a crucial part to to the Patriots dynasty. And everyone hates, loves to hate him because it's he's so good. But I think it'll be interesting to see what happens over the summer. Um, I think after how he ended the season, he definitely wants to keep playing. Whether it be for the Patriots, I I don't know. I know he's been saying he's pretty open minded to go into another team. I just feel like that's a very poor way to end his career, um, to have to learn everything over again and be in a new system and whatnot and, and relocate his family. But I think he has a lot to prove after how he ended this year. And honestly, I thought this would be his last season, but obviously it didn't go as as he wanted. So I think that that's motivated him a lot going into the fall. And um, whether he does play or not will be very exciting for people to watch alike. So um, I, I, I'm not too... I'm not too sure. I think if we had won this year, I would have been more certain, certain that he, would, he wouldn't come back. It would have been a good way for him to, to leave the team and to retire. But uh, we'll see. Him and, and Bill Chuck are getting pretty old. So it, it'll be interesting to see for sure. And um, I just think that he's been so crucial to the team. So I just really think it'd be a really unfortunate way to, to end his career at another team. But at the end of the day, he's been the face of our team, understandably so. But the other face... Mr. Belichick, of course. Um, I think his style is very unique. He makes it really, really hard for his offensive players. You know, I think Brady was saying that over the course of, of a season, there's anywhere from like 500 to 1,000 um, plays that are designed and uh, about 500 to 600 that are called, uh, including repeats. And um, those change a bit week to week. So it's definitely really challenging to be, be a part of this offensive team, you know, he makes changes so often um, that he really needs to have a smart team that is able to adapt offensively, whether it be uh, based on matchups, coverages, or past games that they've played against the team that they're they're playing that week. So, you know, obviously his playbook is is always evolving and changing with the game, and his team's always learning. And I think that it, obviously the results show for that. But um, you know, the playbook's really overwhelming, but, you know, I think the players have a lot of respect for this coach, and he seems to always remain calm, and I think that that's because he really believes in his team, and, and I think that he has every right to the way he runs his locker room. He should believe in his team, and he really just preaches accountability, discipline, fundamentals, and just overall cohesion as a team, and like I said, he's always evolving with the game, which is the most important part. That's, you know, he's had such a long career with the team, and I think that if he didn't evolve, it wouldn't have been able to be as long as it is. So um, that is extremely important, no matter the sport, no matter what it is, you have to be able to evolve with the game as it changes. Um, 
And I think the other thing, too, is, you know, the players, you know, they they know what they're going to get from him. And at the same time, they know what's expected of them. And um, I think that mentality and that kind of like mutual respect makes the team really consistent. And and I think that that kind of makes Belichick the professional that he is at his job. And I like I said, he's well respected by the players. And I think that the the biggest weakness in his in a team is if you're not respected by your players. So I think that the way he runs his team is is very similar to like a drill sergeant. But it, obviously he's he's pushing out some of the the most disciplined players. So it's working out well for him so far. And um, I think that the team has really created dynasty over the past the past decade. And uh, it's it's really come down to that defense, the duo, the draft, um, and just the discipline of the team itself. I think that that is something that's overlooked so often by people, but to have a team that is so cohesive and, and so just strong mentally, it's, it's really, really important, especially in a long season and a long playoff run. So I think that, you know, the way this season ended, like I said, I think it will bring a lot of fuel to this team. Hopefully, you know, hopefully get some wide receivers out there, but no, I'd love to see what they change and tweak for the upcoming season. And, you know, it would be interesting to see what, what Tom does, whether he comes back for another season or uh, if he goes to another team or even if he just retires now. But I think, like I said, now more than ever, he's motivated to prove that that, that he can come back and that he can can win more games. And um, he's actually really close to, to breaking that Drew Brees record um, for most uh, passing touchdowns in a regular season, which – uh, Drew Brees has at 547, Tom's at uh, 541. So, you know, if he does come back, he'd surpass Drew's record, which would be really cool to see. But overall, I think I think it's going to be interesting what happens in this in this uh, off season. I'm like I said, I'm not too sure. I didn't even think he'd come back this season. So, um, we'll we'll see. We'll see for sure. Uh, but overall, Patriots have definitely led a dynasty in New England. It's been a lot of fun to to be a fan and be a part of. Definitely a lot of fun having some crazy Super Bowl rallies and whatnot. And uh, yeah, uh, definitely, definitely a good time for sure. But a lot of things up in the air for now. So next up, we have the uh, almighty Red Sox. Um, you know, teams won nine World Series over the years and 14 American League pennants. So definitely, definitely got some hardware to show and what I want to talk about is the 2018 season. This season uh, was historic for the team, 108 wins, and um, the playoff field itself just looked like a, a group of super teams, basically, um, almost like a Champions League. Literally, just so many good teams, but you know, somehow the Sox powered through that and never really faced an elimination game and never really came close, except for when Kimbrel had that ninth inning roller coaster against the the Yankees, but. You know, no team in the last decade has has won the title with so few playoff losses. So that was a a really exciting um, series to watch and an exciting season overall. Just to have a 108 win season was amazing. But I think the squad was particularly important to that season and the team's success. You know, I think the team has struggled with that in the past, and particularly when it comes to the bullpen. I say it all the time: the Red Sox bullpen has been a big pain in our thigh for a while. It's been really tough and hopefully, you know, we'll some bring some new guys in or something's going to change because it's, it's really tough to watch, but you know, Mookie just signed for, for next season's coming back. I think it was like $27 million. Frankly, I think he could have gone for more. Um, but I think he's, a, he's a good leader for the team. It's nice to have some veterans come back, even though he's so young, he's considered a veteran, but 
I think he brings out the best in other players like Bogarts and whatnot. So to have him come back, we'll have some consistency in the team at least. And man, uh, man, he can hit. So um, I think I think that's going to be really exciting. And you know, the team is struggle sometimes, but I think overall relatively good depth, um, except for the bullpen. But the other thing about the 2018 season was Mr. Alex Cora. Obviously, this is a very difficult subject to talk about right now. Um, for those who don't know, he has just been released by the Red Sox due to all this news coming out about sign stealing. Um, basically, when Alex Cora was at the, the Houston Astros as a bench coach before he came to the Red Sox, he started allegedly sign stealing. Um, this decision to release him was mutual with the Red Sox and Cora, um, however, Alex did come out and say that he was really sorry for bringing this embarrassment to the team. And um, the team has so much love in the city and the management has so much love for Alex. He was a great guy, a great coach. So it's really unfortunate that this is how he finishes his time out with the team. And um, it, obviously it's it's the worst timing with preseason starting in only a month. But I think it's, it's really unfortunate the way things went because he came off of such a good season in 2018. And uh, it's, it's really disappointing. He is a really a really great guy and did so much for the team. So it is, it is a big loss. And like I said, the timing couldn't be worse with preseason coming up. So regardless, uh, Cora did a lot of things right during the 2018 season. And I don't really want what's happening right now to take away from how incredible this team was and how much he did for the team. But obviously it's just very unfortunate that this is, this is how he ends his time in Boston. So, but Anyway, the Sox have and always will be a, a threat in the MLB, and I'm definitely excited to see what this team will look by, look like when the season starts up again, and especially with Mookie coming back. And I think I'd be really happy to see someone like Veritek step up and, and take the spot of Cora. I think, obviously, he'd be... No one knows the game better than he does. No one knows it's a, the team, the culture, the city. So it'd be really cool to see someone like him step up. I think he could do really well. But it's just really unfortunate, all the stuff that's happening and all the stuff that's happening in the news. You know, a lot of a lot of teams are under fire with this whole sign stealing thing. And it's just a really unfortunate way for for the sport to look right now and, and for the team, unfortunately, even though whether or not they were sign stealing at the Red Sox, it it's up in the air. But I think that though upon investigation, I think that things will be OK for the most part for the team. And I think that they hopefully won't be stripped from that 2018 title. So. Anyway, that's the Red Sox. Obviously, historically, a really great team um, and one of the oldest and uh, obviously really good in recent years, unfortunately, which is now a damper on the mood is now this whole sign stealing thing. But anyway, on to the next team. We're on to the Bruins. Like I said, wore my shirt for this occasion. Um, Bees are currently uh, first in the Atlantic Division, and I think this team is just super dominant this year, and I think it's the depth of the squad again. And, you know, I think depth is something that's overlooked. You know, you can have some great stars, but if you can't have people following them up and, you know, injury happens so often in sport, you got to have people that can step up as well. And I think the Bruins are really successful in that way. They have different guys scoring all the time. You know, obviously, uh, Pashnak leading the team in goals, but, you know, he's followed closely behind by Marshawn and Bergeron and even uh, Krejci, Toy Crew, DeBrus, Charlie Coyle, and even Charlie McAvoy. And, um, Anders Bjork, I think that there's a lot of guys that can score and are, are really fine in the back of the net for the team. And um, I think that's making them so dangerous. And, 
even Tuka Rask, besides the concussion, you know, he's been really holding it down between the pipes for the team. And I think that top line of Marshawn Bergeron and Pasternak is truly elite. And uh, not to mention number one uh, power play unit. I think that that's just really leading the team. And um, today they scored in like 10 seconds. So you really, it's, this is a team that is extremely skilled. And I think that they're, the Bruins identities kind of shifted towards that direction. And I think it's been an exciting season so far. So I'd be really uh, excited to see playoff. I think we could have a good postseason run, but I think just historically, you know, the team has also been very successful. You know, speaking of the cup, they have six Stanley Cup wins, um, but they've also produced some of the greatest players of all time. You know, Ray Bork or Bobby Orr, one of the most famous Bruin players of all time. And that image of him is so popular of him, like basically parallel to the ice. And uh, he won three MVP awards, two Stanley Cups. So, you know, not only are are the Bruins dominant at this day and age, but they also have been in the past. And um, as an original six team, I think that they're they're really holding it down for the city. And I think it's definitely become a team. And the Garden's been a place where you know other teams hate to come and play here. And this this Boston team right now is is really so offensively strong and so deep that you know any of these lines can score and any of these players can. And they're so technical that you just you really can't switch off during a game when you're playing this team. So. Like I said, going to be really exciting to see in the postseason. Um, hopefully have a good run and make up for this Pats postseason. But yeah, really exciting and pretty young. Obviously, the team has a lot of older guys, but also some really young guys as well. So it'll be interesting to see what happens when that transition and that shift takes place between uh, the new guys coming up and the old guys shipping out. So don't want to think about that. But yeah, really exciting. Um, which brings us to our final Boston team. Uh, the Boston Celtics, uh, who have won 17 championships between 1957-2008, making them the NBA team with the most NBA titles, and they've won 11 out of 13 championships from 1937 to 1969, which is an unreal stat. You know, I think a lot of people think of, when they think of these teams, they think about, like, the the current day and age of, of these teams. When you go back, you know, we kind of forget about these dominance of these teams, and an 11 out of 13 championships wins is unreal of a stat so obviously the Celtics have been producing some amazing players and some notable Hall of Famers such as like Bill Russell who who won the league's MVP five times and he had a record 40 I think it was 40 rebounds in an NBA final in 1960 and then again in 1962 so the man was absolutely crushing it back in the day I know everyone says how basketball changed and whatnot and you know some of the players then will get absolutely ruined by the guys today but still it's an unreal stat, um, and the Celtics have won eight consecutive titles between uh, 58 and 66, which is a record for the four major North American team sports, and they won again after that record in 68 and 69. So during those years, the Celtics were literally like unstoppable, and um, it's it's been crazy. And since then, it was a little bit of a drought. They struggled for a bit, um, and in 2007-2008, they actually had the greatest single-season turnaround in the league's history, uh, finishing with the best record and posting a 42-win improvement. I think a lot of that was due to the addition of, of Kevin Garnett and Ray Allen, 
Um, and obviously they came to a team that already had Paul Pierce. So, you know, that trio really just made a name for itself. And I remember growing up watching this team. I didn't watch them a ton because I wasn't too into basketball during uh, those really early 2000 uh, years. But I remember that it was this trio. Everyone was talking about this trio. Everyone wanted a, a KG or a Pierce jersey. And they really just put Boston back on the, back on the, nap, the map. They put Boston back on the map for basketball. Um, and that was, like I said, greatest single season turnaround. So that was definitely a lot of fun uh, for people to watch. And then, again, struggled a bit, got a little bit quiet again. But uh, in more recent years, in 2014 to 2015 season, they had added Isaiah Thomas, who became an all-star and uh, led the team to the best record in the Eastern Conference in 2016-2017. So, again, a little bit more recent. I think that's when I was finishing up high school when that was going on. Um, just dated my, <laughs> made me sound a lot younger than I am. Um, but obviously the Celtics have produced some incredible players that go down in history. And, um, obviously the past few seasons have been a bit rough, but I think this year we started off really, really well. Uh, I personally have been really impressed with Marcus Smart. Uh, I think he now holds the record, uh, the franchise record for most three pointers made in a single game, which was 11. Um, and I know in the past he's really struggled with his shooting percentage. So that's a really cool um, stat for him because I know, like I said, he was struggling shooting from downtown. And so that's a cool record for him to have. And I think a lot of that comes down to like confidence. But, you know, his work ethic has, has really helped him improve as a shooter. And I, I'd like to see him stay with the team, ideally. Uh, and I think the return of Kemba Walker and Jalen Brown, who are both out of the game when he broke the record, um, will show kind of how lethal this team can be. So uh, obviously that was that was really great for him. I think he went 11 for 22 that night. So even just shooting 22 three-pointers three, three, uh, three in a game. Wow, I can't talk. 22 three-pointers. I can't say that again. 22 three-pointers in a game is, is also impressive. I think he just needs to start shooting more. Uh, I think that's the thing where a lot of players struggle. So hopefully he gets his confidence back up. And obviously cool to have that stat. So... But yeah, overall, I think Boston teams have been really dominant in the past and definitely are currently powerhouses in each of the leagues. I think it'll be interesting. There's a lot of things up in the air right now in Boston in terms of sports. You know, all this stuff with Alex Cora going on, you know, who's going to step up and coach this team. So that's that's really uh, hitting the city hard right now, especially like I said, preseason started in just a month. So definitely need to have a really quick turnaround for that. So I think that'll be a rough start to the season. But, you know, then there's all this stuff with Tom, if Tom Brady's coming back this season. And um, it's, like I said, it'd be really unfortunate for him to, to leave and finish his career out somewhere else. But he has been uh, part of the Belichick. It's Belichick-Brady. Like, that's the duo. And they've just made so much history and so many good memories for, for New England fans. And um, I think that it would be, like, Really, it would be very disappointing for him to leave, and I'm not sure if he will. I know he's open to open to it, but we'll see. I think the the New England Patriots will come back with hopefully a once a good one season deal, enough money, enough millions for him to come back. But those two have been definitely going to have to watch those every single day. I feel like something new comes out on the news about what could happen. Um, but other than that, Bruins would love to see a great postseason run. I think this team. Started off really, really strong this season, bobbled a bit around midseason, um, and hopefully we'll find their footing again just in time for the end of the season. And I think Celtics were the same way, started off strong, had a bit of a rough patch around the middle, and hopefully finding their feet again. I feel like that's how a lot of these Boston teams started, you know, 
the Pats started off so strong, then had a little bit of a, a kind of a, a spell, and all uh, the Bruins did as well, and Celtics are going through it. So I think it's kind of interesting how that works, but we're always so strong in the back half of the season, and particularly when it comes to, to around the playoffs. So uh, this season we're definitely missing not having a Super Bowl parade, but who knows? We'll see. I, I'd love to see the Bruins do all in the postseason, and I think they're fully capable of doing so. So hopefully the guys stay fit and keep scoring. Like I said, extremely technical team. But overall, you know, Boston has been an incredible city to to be raised outside of. And I think it's been it's been very important to, to my development as a sport fan. I think it would be pretty different. Uh, obviously, I don't come from a, a big sports family, so it's not like, you know, Super Bowl or football like Sunday was pushed on me or anything. And I think I kind of just found my footing. And like I said, it helped coming from an area where it was easier to watch these teams than some other ones where you'd be losing all the time. So I, I think I'm very fortunate in that way. Um, and I really wouldn't have it any other way. And I love and also hate telling people I'm from Boston when I go somewhere because their their first thing is, how do you feel about Tom? Or I hate the Pats or whatever it is. But it's it's been interesting. And, you know, these teams have given me some of the best sporting memories of my life. So um, I think historically it's a city that people respect and I think it's a city a lot of people fear playing in but obviously the team has their records the stats the numbers um they all have that to show for for how successful the team is and how this successful the city is so um city of champions definitely isn't an understatement and I know everyone who's not from Boston is going to hate this but you know it's true it's it wouldn't be named that if it weren't true so um I guess that's about it for for today uh it was a long and lots of numbers, and <laughs> I think I might have missed a few Brady records because I feel like even in the, in the off season, he's probably going to break some record. But yeah, that was a long one. I uh, really appreciate you listening through this and appreciate all the support. It's been it's been weird um, now that I'm out in Colorado and have like a real person job and stuff. or getting eight to five, so um, it's it's interesting and kind of difficult trying to think about and stay motivated about sport that isn't like Olympic based. So trying to switch things up and, um, I hope you guys, uh, have enjoyed this episode and I will see you guys in two weeks. Make sure you check out the podcast on Spotify and Apple podcasts at she talk sports and on Instagram at she talk sports podcast. I have to be better on Instagram. I've been really bad, but naturally I'm really bad with my own personal Instagram. So I don't know what you guys expected from me if you expected me to be better. Um, and yeah, make sure you check it out on YouTube. That was the last thing I forgot. I was like, I know there's, there's one more thing. Check it out on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe so that you can watch myself as you listen to me as well. Uh, and yeah, thank you so much for watching. Thanks for the support as always. And I will see you guys in two weeks. Peace.